Lent is a season of repentance and introspection. However, that doesn't mean this liturgical season encourages any more navel-gazing than we already do. In fact, it compels us to look at our lives individually and corporately. It's like Lent is asking ourselves to say, how have I failed and how have we failed? It's not an easy season in the life of the church. In preparing for Lent this year, I was struck by the theme of covenants. When you look at Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, there are a lot of covenants that happen in the Bible. And we all know what a covenant is. We're all familiar with them. We've borrowed money, or we've rented an apartment, or we've purchased a car, all under the auspices of a covenant, a contract that we make with someone or an institution. They exist because we fundamentally distrust one another. We distrust our institutions. We use contracts and covenants to protect ourselves when the other person doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. Yet the truest and the deepest relationships of all are built on trust. When we lovingly yield ourselves to the other with vulnerability and fragility. And that's precisely what God offers us in the covenant. Vulnerability required for true trust. God said, when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature on the earth. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Things were looking good for the people of God until... The flood. Scripture says that God saw how terrible the earth had become, so full of wickedness and evil, that God had to press the restart button. God had to send a flood to rid the world of the decay that is humanity. Except for Noah, his family, an ark, and two of every animal on the earth. So Noah builds this ark, he puts his family on board, he gets two of every animal, and the rain falls from the sky. And we read that the boat tossed and turned for 40 days and 40 nights, and at the end the waters began to recede. The family left the boat with all the animals, and they looked in the sky, and what should they behold but a rainbow? The end. This, of course, is the most beloved of all Sunday school children's stories. I have yet to go to a church where this scene wasn't painted in a mural in a nursery, or in which a child wasn't given a picture version of Noah and the Ark for their first birthday, or in which a child wasn't given an actual plastic ark with animals to play with as a child. This is the most beloved of all stories from the Bible for children. In my last church, we had a preschool, and I would try to lead the preschool through chapel time every week. And every year, we did the story of Noah and the ark. I would get all the children to gather with me in the sanctuary. I would be Noah, and they were going to be my animals, two of every kind. I gave them all masks of different animals, and I taught them their motions. We always had two birds who would flatten their wings. We always had two alligators who would chomp their jaws. We always had two little birdies. We had two snakes. And I teach it to the children, and I'd say, we're going to go on a parade, an animal parade. I'd say, line up behind me, and we walk around the premises of the building. And I would turn around and say, I want you all to be your animals. 
so they'd flap their wings, they'd slither like snakes, they'd growl like a bear or a tiger, and there'd always be people driving by the church who would slow down, and they'd see this lanky bearded guy with a bunch of children following behind him looking like monkeys, you know? It's the story we teach to our children. I take those kids out to our playground where we had this large boat and I put all of them on this plastic boat and we pretend to rock back and forth in the waves. And then when it was over, I'd say, look in the sky. Don't you see the make-believe rainbow? And then we'd say, the end. We love teaching the story to kids. And we always tell it that way. We jump straight to the rainbow. But in jumping ahead, we forget the immense devastation that the survivors would have witnessed. We forget that God sent the flood for a reason. That death and carnage would have spread as far as the eye could see. Have you all seen pictures of what Houston looked like after the floodwaters receded? Do you remember how long it took for New Orleans to get back together after Katrina? That's what the flood was like, but probably worse. And for some reason, this is the story we teach our children. The rainbow in the sky was a sign and a reminder of the covenant God had made with God's people. The problem is, Scripture doesn't say that it was a rainbow. It just says a bow. It was God's bow, this weapon used to kill, hung in the sky to say, I will never use my weapon again. That violence from God upon the earth has come to an end. Never again, says the Lord, will I destroy the earth. On Wednesday afternoon, while countless Christians were walking around with ashes smeared on their foreheads, a young man pulled the fire alarm at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. He waited for people to fill out and pour out into the hallways. And that's when he began shooting. Seventeen dead, another dozen injured. In October, a man looked out from his room in Las Vegas at crowds of people dancing at a music festival. And while music was pumping in the air, he added to it with the sound of his own gunshots. Fifty-eight dead, 851 injured. On December 14, 2012, a young man pulled up in an elementary school parking lot, a school called Sandy Hook. And he walked inside, and he started to shoot. Twenty dead. The majority of which were only six or seven years old. Since that day, in 2012, 400 people have been shot in over 200 school shootings. 400 people in over 200 school shootings in five years. And that number doesn't include what happened in Las Vegas. It doesn't include a great number of other acts of violence that we've seen. That's only what happened in the schools. 400 people in 200 school shootings in five years. Called to life out of chaos and nothingness by the creative breath of God, we humans seem hell-bent on returning to that kind of chaos. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, 
that every inclination of their thoughts and their hearts was only evil. So God sent the flood. And following the flood, God put his bow up in the sky. God promised never to drop such violence on us again. And for some reason, we've failed to hold up our end of the bargain. God's action over creation, it binds us all together. From the fish in the sea, to the birds in the air, to the people who are sitting in the pews next to you right now. And yet for some reason, violence and anger and aggression, they rule the day. They captivate our attention. They fuel our inner thoughts. They drive our responses. We're a people near the end of the rainbow. It's like we're so obsessed with the story, the end of it, that we forgot what got us here. Since Wednesday afternoon, I have received a number of messages from people both inside and outside of the church about their opinions of what happened. And it seems like to me right now, all people fall into one of two categories. On the one side, there are people fighting for stricter gun control. They believe that legislation would and could prevent the likes of which we've seen as of recent from ever happening again. They want to make it more difficult to purchase a weapon. I think it's important to note that of the last 18 mass shootings, the majority of the weapons were purchased legally and with a federal background check. So that's one side. The other side, these people are fighting for greater access to weapons and freedom to use them. They believe that in arming teachers and administrators, that it will prevent the likes of which we've seen as of recent from happening ever again. They want to protect their freedom to defend themselves and others. And regardless of what camp we're in or you're in, violence, it seems, is inescapable. Regardless of the rainbows above our heads, this world of ours is captivated in what, by which we believe that the power to end life is the end all, be all. That violence is the end. But God has a knack for making a way out of no way. Because we all know what chaos looks like. We don't even need the reminder from Genesis. We have the nightly news. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. They show us what chaos looks like every day. But it's in the midst of chaos. It's with stories flooding in and with destruction around our ankles that the rainbow arches across the sky, demanding that we look up. And it's when we see God's bow in the sky, when we hear about those teachers who sacrifice their lives to protect their students, when we witness children on their hands and knees praying outside their school that their friends will be okay, that we remember the bow. We remember what God did for us. We see the covenant. We feel grace. And maybe that's why we teach our children about Noah and the ark, about that rainbow in the sky, even if we've lost a sense for the truth of it. We want our children, in fact, we want everyone to know that God's love and hope is present in the midst of chaos. That even while the world is around us full of disturbing de devastation, that God has not forgotten us. In the covenant 
that God made through the bow. God bound God's self to us in a new and different way. God was with us saying, I will be your God from this day forward no matter what happens. And the rainbow, therefore, it's like this great mirror in the sky. It's a mirror in which we see the truth of our reflection. We see who we really are with our anger and our propensity toward violence and all of our fears. We see the truth. God put his bow in the sky. So perhaps the time has come to reclaim the strange and the ugly and the beautiful truth of the rainbow. Maybe it's time for us to put an end to it being in nurseries and children's Bibles alone. Maybe we all need to seal our hearts with the rainbow that says a new day has broken. That there is a better way. That there is room for all the colors that make the covenant what it is. Because that kind of rediscovery, it could completely reshape and shake up what we know of who we are. It won't make us perfect, and it certainly won't rid the world of evil, but it will stand as an everlasting reminder, just as it once did, that God has not abandoned us. That God has a new day and a new way. The covenant. It's a promise. And at the center of the promise is the truth that God is stuck with us and that we are stuck with God. In life, there will always be moments that fill us with rage. It usually happens in response to something we experience in another person, whether they're right in front of us or they're on the television or on the internet. And to be clear, there are times when rage is appropriate. The Psalms are filled with these vignettes into the anger of the people of Israel in the midst of injustice. It is good and right for us to be angry about what happened in Florida this week. It is good and right for us to be angry about innocent children being killed. It is good and right for us to be angry and to voice our opinions about what can and what needs to change. The challenge is in remembering that God is with us in our anger. That God saw the deplorable state of the world during the days of Noah and during the days right before Jesus' birth. That's why God sent us a new sign in His Son who came to show us that love will always win out. That love always trumps violence. That we are bound to one another, even when we can't stand each other. That there will always be a better way. This rainbow above Noah's head, the experience of the living Christ in our lives, they are a reminder to us that the world was broken and that the world still is broken. But our God is in the business of putting it back together. Our rainbows, they force us to confront the brokenness of our own lives and the lives of others. They even make us angry and uncomfortable. Because if God was willing to refrain from violence on the world, if God was willing to hang up his bow and say no more, why haven't we done the same? Amen. Amen. Amen.